0: And hello and welcome back to another edition of Amateur Hour, a News and Observer College Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Carter. I cover UNC athletics. And I'm joined this week by Laura Keeley, who covers Duke Forest. Hello, Laura.
1: Hello, Andrew. Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you here. It's been a little bit. I had to miss a couple, uh, miss one week of the show last week. I can't remember where I was. I think I was traveling. I've been traveling a lot.
1: Unlike me, yes, you have.
0: Been to, uh, just got back from Boston yesterday, was in Chicago over the weekend, was in Louisville last week. It's been a traveling time on the UNC beat. You've so. been
1: everywhere, man.
0: I have. There's a song about that. I thought so. Yeah, that lyric sounds familiar. Um,
1: Not an original thought there.
0: Oh, that's all right. You've had plenty of original thoughts over the years, so we'll give you a pass. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the game the other night that I covered you know Boston College has been awful. Yes. One of the worst teams you could argue in ACC history. Fair. And according to the uh, you know the numbers on the website that we like to go to kenpom.com it's either this Boston College team and I want to say maybe like the 2010-11 or 11-12 Wake Forest team that literally is vying for the title of worst ACC team of all time. So UNC goes up there it's not expected to be competitive. It is competitive. Very much so. Yeah, Boston College leads by, uh, I think it was seven points at halftime. Boston College had not led an ACC game at halftime this year, had not lost an ACC game by single digits this year. All 10 of its losses entering that UNC game had been by double digits. So really surprising to see the Eagles make it competitive and lead the Tar Heels for a while and actually play well. UNC did not play well. Uh, And
1: they had a shot. I mean, Boston College had a shot to tie in the final minute, I believe. Like, it it was a down to the wire, very competitive game.
0: It did. So that happened, and that was surprising. But then the most surprising thing, of course, that happened in that game, and I missed it live. (laughs) It's funny how, like, as reporters, sometimes we miss some of the most dramatic moments in these games, either because we can't see them or because they happen at a time when we're, like, writing our stories in the second half.
1: Indeed, because as not everybody realizes uh, here at the News and Observer, as soon as the game ends and the final buzzer sounds, we send our first edition story.
0: Indeed, you have to have it. Yeah, That's a buzzer. Have, yeah, you have to have, like, some sort of substantial something that you've written. So basically, the second half is the time, especially during timeouts, when your head is down in your laptop and you're trying to think about what to write and come up with a story and make sure like your sentences make sense.
1: Analyzing and concluding and, uh, about an event that hasn't yet concluded. Yeah, make
0: sure your grammar's on point and that you're not misspelling names. And especially that Boston College game, I'm having, I'm having a look at the, uh, the Boston College roster. No doubt. I, Who the heck are these people? Yeah, like they had guys hitting three-pointers and making plays against UNC where literally it's like that scene from Major League where, I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's been Maybe, a while. That's probably a little bit before your time, It Laura. is not. I think that's a little bit before your time. No. It came out in 1988. Did it? Yes.
1: I thought it was the early 90s. Which I believe
0: is the year of your birth.
1: No, not quite.
0: But anyway. 89. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> but there's this funny scene in, in the movie Major League where like, the, the townspeople of Cleveland are looking at the Cleveland Indians roster, the fictional roster, and they're like, who the heck are these guys? Right. And I had that moment, actually, the other night in, uh, in Chestnut Hill at the Conti Forum, where, like, literally I'm looking at the Boston College roster, and I turn to Greg Barnes from Inside Carolina next to me, and I'm like, Greg, have you heard of any of these guys? Like, I heard of some of their starters. Eli Carter. Eli Carter, who's not bad, and uh, the big guy, Clifford.
1: Yep, who's been there for approximately a zillion years. (laughs) Yeah,
0: he seems like he's been there forever. But some of these guys, like, literally, and I've been doing this for a while. Oh, I know. And I like to think that I keep up on ACC basketball, but I'm looking at their roster, and I'm just like, what? Like, who are these people? Yeah. So you had that going on in the second half, trying to write this story making sense of who's doing what for Boston College, why this is a competitive game. Have my head down during a timeout. There's about 14 and a half minutes left. I look up, and I'm getting these tweets now on Twitter, which is how you find out stuff in this day and age. Yep. And uh, people are like, uh, anything on Roy? Anything on Roy Williams? What's going on with Roy Williams? And I look up, and Roy Williams, of course, is not on the bench. Uh-oh. And yeah, we put things together pretty quickly. Uh, obviously he had a vertigo attack, a vertigo spell. I'm not sure the correct phrasing of that, but yeah, went down, collapsed slowly into a seated position, had to get uh, you know had to get assistance walking his way off the court, walked off under his own power mostly, but he had UNC's head trainer Doug Halverson next to him guiding him, helping, helping him off. And Roy missed the rest of the game, the final 14 and a half minutes. And so, Laura, this is, you know, it's the second time for teams that we cover in the past couple of weeks that the head coach has been involved in some sort of scary health situation. Absolutely. Or yeah. at least one that raises some concerns. So I feel like it brings up this question of what is the future beyond Mike Krzyzewski at Duke? And what is the future beyond Roy Williams at UNC? Roy Williams is 65. Coach K is 69.
1: On February 13th, yeah, yes. Yeah, they're,
0: they're not young men.
1: No, but not by any stretch. <laughs> not
0: young men anymore. Um, and I want to start this off with Duke is there any sense that the end is near for Coach K I mean he just missed this game at Georgia Tech with an apparent medical issue he spent some time in the cardiology wing
1: yeah the hospital at, a
0: hospital at Duke is there any sense you feel like that the end is near for him or what do you think his long-term status is right now
1: um you know I I don't think that there is a sense that the end is near for him obviously this was a a scary incident that did remind people of his mortality. Uh, you know, any time a almost sixty nine year old man is admitted to the heart wing of a hospital, that's you know, it's not a good thing. And you have to remember that, you know, he is sixty nine years old. That that that's old, you know, and he does lead like a But he's you know, in good shape. He's he's in good shape, but he does lead a high stress life, doesn't sleep a ton, travels a lot, you know, works a ton of hours in a high stress environment and yeah, no doubt about it. He also has um some left knee issues that he said are going to require some type of procedure in the off season whether that's a knee replacement or or not or what i'm not exactly sure but he's already had both hips replaced and you know that's a major surgery for somebody his age too so yeah definitely some some serious medical stuff going on but you know you see him and he looks now as fiery as he used to be you know earlier in the season like at wake forest he was almost you know, crying tears of joy when they came when they held on to beat the demon deacon. So it's a guy who's still very much so fully invested, and uh, you know, and that's one thing, Andrew, to kind of keep in mind with all this. You know, he spent two nights in Duke Hospital. You know, if somebody has a heart condition that needs taken care of, it is addressed immediately. You know, you don't right. let somebody right. out of the hospital and say. We're going to need you back in like, you know, Mar- at the end of March, beginning of April, so we can do whatever needs done. That's- yeah, I'd
0: like to think that's not the case.
1: So so I do believe that, you know, the fact that he is back, he does have a clean bill of health. And I, you know, I don't think he's planning on leaving anytime soon.
0: Has he been this, has he acted the same like in games in terms of his energy level? And is he just as active as he's always been?
1: Absolutely, you of- know, chew- chewing on the refs like always. And, uh, you know, after the the louisville game which was duke's second game in three days he was really hoarse like he had lost his voice and he said you know he's trying to say something nice to the ref and it just it was just gone so yeah he's i'm sure he was
0: sad about that not being able to say something nice to the ref
1: i'm sure it broke his heart <laughs> not in a way that made him go back to the hospital though
0: all right so obviously in the short term it seems like he's okay this was certainly you know a, a thing of concern for him to miss a game mm-hmm. at least in the short term but short term he's going to be here obviously he's not going to miss the season rest of the season or anything like that or take any kind of indefinite leave like he did in
1: 94 95 20
0: years ago 21 years ago now golly yeah i know that's that's, that's let's say i was in eighth grade um but looking ahead like the next two three four five years do you see coach k being there at the end of like a five-year cycle from now do you think he's still going to be the guy at duke or how much Personally, yes i do i think he
1: does have five more years in him um
0: So you see him going through his mid seventies, approaching his late seventies.
1: I do. Why I think so? he does too if you ask him. Well, oh, you know, he's this is what he does. You know, this is a man who doesn't have hobbies. He doesn't golf like Roy does when he's healthy. He mm-hmm. you know, he enjoys spending time with his family. They are all here.
0: He likes the bocce ball.
1: Likes bocce ball on the beach, which they do, yeah. you know, I've in read the about summer. That. Um and yeah, like this this is what he does. I don't know what he would do if he wasn't coaching other than drive his wife and daughters crazy so i i think he's going to do this for absolutely as long as he can and he's still fiery he's still passionate he's still recruiting at a ridiculously high level you know duke has either the, the first or the second best recruiting class coming in depending on whose rankings you look at so yeah i don't see him slowing down i don't see that he's lost any drive or desire and i think i think he's here for the foreseeable future
0: do you think this is a question, though, that Kevin White, the Duke athletic director, concerns himself with—is life beyond Coach K, in the future, and making sure a plan is in place? How much time do you think Kevin spends examining those things and thinking about those things?
1: Well, you know, personally, I think Kevin White is probably going to be gone before Mike Shishinski is gone. I see him retiring first, but interesting. Um, yeah, I think at at this point, obviously, within the last two weeks, he's probably had to think about it a fair a fair amount. But I think that. Duke thought kind of long and hard about this last year after the national championship when Arizona State is very interested in Jeff Capel, and Jeff Capel is very interested in Arizona State, goes out and visits, likes the place, and then within 48 hours has decided to stay at Duke. Now, I think you can put two and two together and assume that, you know, Duke made it worth his while for him to stay. And this is a guy who is very much so a competent head coach. You know, you saw that at Georgia Tech. And, you know, he didn't just kind of hold steady, hold down the fort. He was very much his own coach and, you know, scrapped scrapped the defensive game plan Kay had put in place when it wasn't working and went to man-to-man just on his own volition. So, you know, this is a guy who is very ready to be a head coach, has been a head coach, recruits really well. He's been, you know, kind of the main guy out there on the trail for Duke of late. And he had a great opportunity to go be a head coach and chose to stay at Duke. I do think that Jeff Cable will succeed Mike Krzyzewski. And I think if anything – sudden was to happen that they would need to make a quick move that he would be the natural choice
0: so you don't feel like it's even debatable you feel like Capel is the guy i mean what happens if chris collins does really well at northwestern or wojo at marquette or you know johnny dawkins is out there doing good things i mean there's an array of people in the coach k tree that you feel like would get a look
1: yeah absolutely i don't think that you know quite candidly that Dawkins or, or Collins at this point has been successful enough to get to to really merit consideration um you know obviously for years people kind of assumed Steve Wojciechowski was uh you know the kind of probably the the leading horse in that race but you know he's obviously gotten to Marquette and recruited well this year they' The teams, you know, it's not going to be an NCAA tournament team, but they were
0: pretty bad when he took over.
1: Yeah, they were. Yeah, and same his, thing at
0: Northwestern with the Collins. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's been, you know, these guys do deserve more time to get it going. But if we're talking about you know quick change or immediate change, I, I don't think you you reach further than that. And you know, one thing, and I'm not saying that this will be a you know overriding factor in the decision, but just you know, kind of like you know, let's don't overthink things sometimes. You know, Jeff Cable is here. I think you know Mike Shoskeski has delegated an awful lot to him. He recruits very well here. Uh, also notable that you know Duke has never had an African American head men's basketball or football coach, which is mm-hmm. very much a rarity in the ACC.
0: Might be the only school who can say that. They might be. I have to I, do some research, but yeah.
1: I, you know, and, I, and there's new ACC schools, so I can't you right. know, say for 100 percent certainty. But they very well might be the only ACC school. And, you know, in Duke's defense, they have had the same basketball coach for 36 years. So they haven't hired as often as other people. But, yeah, you know, it's like Capel is here. He's competent. He's good. You know, Krzyzewski obviously trusts him a lot, delegates a lot. I, I don't think Duke should overthink this one.
0: And it's difficult to answer this question because we don't have access to public records at Duke. So who knows? But, I mean, it sounds like Capel probably got a raise out of the Arizona State flirtation. You would I would think. imagine so, yeah. Right? At,
1: at Duke, all we get – uh, there's one form, the 990 form, that they have to file with, uh, you know, the government. Release. It's almost a two-year lag, mm-hmm. um, and all the salary information we get from that is the top five salaried employees at Duke. Mike Shoskeski is obviously number one, you know. The, but that includes guys like the director of the medical center and the president of the university. So, you know, I would I would be surprised. And David Cutcliffe, obviously the football coach, I would be surprised if Cable cracks. Number five, but give that back would to me, be
0: surprising. <laughs> but
1: give back to me in two years, and I'll have a definitive answer for you on that.
0: I mean, as an aside, that is pretty insane. You know, the basket oh, yeah. that these co- the coaches' salaries are where they are, and granted, Duke as a university in a lot of ways, you know, is kind of where it is. In some ways, because of K, yeah, and the notoriety of that program and his success, absolutely, like certainly that's generated invaluable interest in in the university, and who knows how that translates in an economic sense, but it is like you take a step back and it's wild that like, what, he makes $9 million a year. Yeah. Something like that.
1: A little over that. Yeah. No, it's, and he it's, makes
0: like a ton more money I, I would guess than like the second guy on that list. Like yeah. say the director of the hospital. I
1: think it's, I think he's in the low seven figures, like one point something million. <laughs> really,
0: that's just insane. No,
1: that might, might, we're in the wrong business. A brief aside. I love the, one of my favorite little, things to chuckle at when it comes to college sports is you know, everyone's always like, Well, you know, capitalism that if the market'll bear it, that's what it's worth and that's absolutely true. But you know, when it comes to you know, competitive balance in college sports and, you know, paying athletes. And all of a sudden, we're like the most communist people ever. Like, no, no, everything has to be fair. Everybody <laughs> has to have an equal opportunity. And it's like, eh, I don't know that you get to, like, play both extremes here, but and that is indeed what we have. Right. And the
0: inequities are, like, built in in terms of, like, the NCAA trying to be, like, fair and all this. Like, schools are not equal. No. You know, like, no. UNC Wakefield, has the Alabama advan- are not the same. Right. And UNC has a built-in advantage because Michael Jordan went there. Right. And, like, the whole jump man thing. Right. Kids want, you know... Certainly, that helped them back in the day. Debate here, Laura. Question worth asking is: Who do you think is going to step down first in their respective positions? Either Roy Williams or Mike Shashesky What do you think?
1: I think it's going to be Roy, and I've I've felt that for some time. And I think it, you know, obviously, Roy is what sixty five. So sixty
0: five, yep. about
1: four years younger than Mike Shashesky But you know, I I think there's been more debate about Roy just because I don't know that Roy. Enjoys this version of college basketball. I don't think he does no, as think, much as Mike yeah. Krzyzewski does.
0: Well, I think I think certainly you can make the point, and it would be an accurate and correct point that Coach K has done a much better job of adapting to, this, to this current system of college basketball.
1: Absolutely, and I think whatever he saw this that. system
0: is, like he's adapted to it, he's embraced it.
1: Yep. And he, I, I think you saw that in you know a few weeks ago when Roy went on his his green room rant against ESPN. Correct. Yep. And Mike Shoshevich wrote my was, story for me. Yep. Thank Ma- you for that, Roy. Mike Shoshevich was asked about it, and he was just like, "Good for Roy for speaking up," but you know, said that obviously all these kids dream of playing in the NBA, so why should we not? Why should we pretend otherwise? And I thought that was kind of a very telling thing. Like, yeah, I'm sure you know Kay would love for college basketball to be more team focused and you know for people to care more about the actual sport of college basketball but he's not gonna sit there and say that at this point like and know. it seems
0: like that ship has kind of sailed too.
1: i, d- I think so
0: uh, i mean that's not to say that you can't get guys to buy into a team concept no but ultimately the high-end best of the best high school recruits nowadays definitely look at college basketball programs as a launching pad and how, yeah. are, how are you going to help me accomplish my goal of making the NBA
1: in 7 to 10 months. Yeah, how are you
0: going to showcase me? What's mm-hmm. in it for me? Yeah. And Roy often bemoans that point. Like he can't stand it. I think right. he's somewhat come to terms with it. Like I but think he accepts the reality. No, he doesn't like it. And you can tell in the way that they've been recruiting that they've just they've had no success right. or very little success with those kind of kids. Like they were after Brandon Ingram for years that would
1: have been a very we- interesting thing to see how four
0: years they were after brandon ingram
1: how that how he would have worked at unc
0: this year yeah i mean and just
1: you know, yeah he would, have, would had he a- have started who this year i don't think he would have started and that's just no
0: and, and like if you're a kid like that who
1: the number two pick in the nba draft right. is not going to start like that's just not
0: and granted like yes he is basketball wise like a few years away, probably several years away from reaching his potential. He's a little bit raw, but right. still he's going to be
1: the number two pick in the draft. Yeah,
0: he's still going to be the number two pick in the draft. Right. And the guy who's going to be the number two pick in the draft doesn't want to come to college and sit on the bench and play 15, 20, 25 minutes a game.
1: No.
0: I mean, so that was working against Roy. And just the fact that they haven't proven that they can do that very often. Like it's funny when you think about it because you go back and Marvin Williams was kind of one of the first one and done kids. Mm hmm. And he went to UNC. And you would think that that would have helped them set a trend or would have helped them go to other kids and be like, well, look what Marvin did here. Marvin did really well, played one year, got drafted highly. Didn't turn out that way at all. And he was the first one. They've only had one, one and done since. Brandon Wright, and they haven't had any since him. And it's been seven years. But Yeah. do has them
1: annually. At least one.
0: But getting back to – What we're talking about with who's going to step down first, I kind of I think I tend to agree with you that Roy would step down first. And I'm a little bit surprised (laughs) in some ways that like he's still there just because of everything that's been going on at UNC. Like if I were Roy Williams, I feel like it would be very easy to say, I don't need this. Right. What am I doing? Like I'm getting hounded all the time by some scandal that started. A decade before I arrived, right. and people are blaming me for it. right. And uh, like you said, I do love golf and very close with his family, his grandkids. The thing though, I feel like helps the other argument, the flip side of that one, and makes me believe that Roy could be there for a while, is that he really wants to see this thing to the other side. I feel like he really wants to get UNC back to where it was. I think he wants to prove that he can get it done in this era. And he feels an incredible responsibility, too, to Dean Smith
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the way that program was for so many years and an obligation to leave it in good hands whenever he does step down.
1: Right. And that begets the question, who is next to UNC?
0: That's the thing. There's not a clear answer to that. Like, there, I feel like there's so many more. There's yeah, there's a lot more candidates when he asked that question of Coach K, like who's going to succeed him at Duke. You know, you have uh, you know, Capel obviously is a front runner, like we talked about, uh, Collins, Wojo. I feel like there's not really that clear cut of an answer at UNC at all. Like the thought that I've had for a while now is that Shaka Smart would be a leading candidate. Of mm-hmm. course, he's at Texas. But the way that Shaka talked about the UNC job before Texas and UNC played, somebody asked him like in the Texas Media Corps, somebody who covers that program, And Shaka just, you know, he gave this glowing answer about how Carolina, he thought, is the best job in the country still, how you know that would be the one job that any coach would want, this and that. So it it seems like if he does well at Texas and if there's mutual interest, if UNC likes him, that Shaka would have an opportunity. I think that that name would be probably the leading choice among fans. Um, But beyond that, like it's, I don't know. No. Like, there's really, like, no great answer. I would have said maybe Brad Stevens if Brad was still coaching college. I don't college.
1: think he's coming back. Yeah, but I
0: don't see him, like, depending on how he does with the Celtics. And it seems like he's been doing pretty well. Right. I haven't followed him incredibly closely, but it seems like he's had a decent amount of success at that level. So I think he's out of the mix now for a while in college jobs. Um,
1: and if you're looking at the tree.
0: If you look at the tree, the tree is kind of barren.
1: Who is at that UAB? Point. Name is escaping.
0: Jared Hess. Jared he's has
1: the most successful, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look it up. That's the thing. There's no one that immediately comes to mind. Like the UNC coaching tree right now, it's like King Rice at Monmouth. Yep, was having some success. Those guys have had some notoriety this year, especially with the bench. I was going to say
1: more on the bench than on the court. But yeah, yeah. they had
0: they had some big wins <laughs> early, earlier earlier this season. Like that seems like kind of maybe an up and coming kind of program, and certainly he's going to have an opportunity sure. to get a bigger job. Um, Jeff Lebo has been at East Carolina. Um,
1: they occasionally beat somebody. They beat Memphis this year.
0: Yeah, uh, but yeah, Jared Hass, who played for Roy at Kansas and coached with Roy for a long time uh, at UNC, a long time assistant under Roy. I guess you would throw him into, into the mix, but and yeah, he's done okay. But it's not like he's done right. like fantastically well. It's not like right. UAB is making the tournament and making Sweet Sixteen runs.
1: No, exactly. And and then um, again, you know, you have to remember and hopefully, you know, if you are invested in Carolina success you would hope that your athletic department would remember this. Like, yeah, it's ob- it's obviously one of the best jobs in the country. So you would hope that, you know, UNC would not be like Southern California and just be so insular that you'd not consider the best candidates available, regardless well, of where they went to school or what their, tr- you know, whose tree they're on.
0: And it's really important, I think, for both these schools eventually to make I mean, it sounds like no duh, like to make a good hire because look at what's happened to UCLA, to Indiana over the years, to some of these blue blood historical programs that have had a lot of success that have kind of fallen off the map.
1: Nothing is guaranteed. I will say one thing about Duke and probably more so than Roy at UNC or or any other program right now. I I feel like Duke after Mike Chasewski is going to very much be like UNC after Dean Smith. Like, he's going to have an office there, he's going to still very much so be present. I've so, heard
0: rumors that they're building that office right now.
1: Is uh, that true? There are plans drawn up for Mike Krzyzewski's post-retirement office. Ground has not yet been broken.
0: Like, are you going to have to get your people scanned before you go in? Don't they have that now, like the eye scan thing? Finger. Oh, it's a finger. Finger. My mistake.
1: It's been there since like the early <laughs> 2000s. Get with the, get with the times, Andrew. Well, that's
0: like outdated technology now.
1: Basically, yeah. But well, anyhow, pff- there's going to be ground broken eventually on a, a building that will go really close to Cameron, right across from where the students go in, um, that will, allegedly the thought is, host his post-retirement office. I guess he's stuck coaching until it's done. But do you see him
0: being like a hands-on in retirement type guy, like maybe a Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin type, or do you think he's going to take a a back seat?
1: Well, you know, I I think – I don't think he will be in – this is all speculation at this point, because who can say what Mike Krzyzewski is going to do when he retires? He hasn't retired yet. I would not think he would be an overbearing presence type of guy. But I think if you have one of his guys in there, somebody off of his tree, that they're certainly going to use him as a resource. Yeah. Like, you know, they're not going to like have him just across the way and not ever talk to him.
0: I feel like, you know, from what I understand about how Dean Smith did it after he retired, he was obviously he was there. Right. They still have an office for for him I mean, right he still has they his probably old office. always will yeah they yeah. still have like his old room there um and he had an office after he retired in the smith center and then they built a new one when they renovated the basketball offices but yeah he had a presence there and he was there before you know his health started to deteriorate but he wasn't necessarily completely inv- like he would give advice every now and then or sure. make himself available sure but it wasn't like he was dictating things
1: no and i think i think Mike just gonna coach as long as he wants so and i don't think he's going to step away before he is ready to step away
0: well i think another point too to make in regards to unc and roy williams brings this up occasionally too is that he doesn't want to retire too early because there's been there's stories out there of basically dean smith regretting when he retired of wishing he would have kept at it a little bit longer i think he was ready to go but he certainly had his doubts right After it happened, I think he missed it in some regards. And I think Roy wants to go as long as he's able to go. And he's, you know, I think he's healthy. The thing that happened the other night has happened before in practices.
1: Right. Just
0: not on such a public scale. Right. Where it happened during a game that everyone noticed it. But Marcus Page told me a story about how it had happened in a practice.
1: Yeah. And uh,
0: earlier this year.
1: And again, on not to that degree where he's had to leave, but you've certainly seen him slip on the, on the sideline before. Yeah, I mean,
0: that happens about four or five times a year.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. It's happened in yeah. a Duke UNC game. And it
0: was interesting watching the uh, the reaction of media members up in the Boston media court like the, the Associated Press guys and the Boston Globe folks who were there covering BC about just how, you know, they had never seen this happen before from Roy. Obviously they're not really around and they're not following the program. I mean, they thought it was like a huge, huge deal. And it was a scary moment,
1: mm-hmm. but yeah, it had
0: happened before.
1: Yeah, my, my little brother actually is a junior at Boston College and was at that game. Already a junior, wow. Already a junior.
0: Years are rolling by.
1: And sent me a text message that said, I don't know what just happened, but Roy left the court, and he did not look good at all. And I hadn't seen anything at that point, point. I was like, it was probably vertigo. You know, he just, did not
0: look good after the game. But here's yeah. the thing with that, too, is Doug Howerson, the UNC head trainer, carries these pills with him, mm-hmm. this medicine, so that in case that happens, he gives Roy this medicine, he takes it. Uh, and I think it's really it's supposed to cause you nausea. Like, that's one of the things it's that to it's like supposed to like reset
1: you or something? Yeah, so
0: Roy was actually, like, vomiting. right. Uh, in the locker room after he left the game, right. And so when he met with reporters, and when he went back out on the court after the end of the game to meet with Jim Christian, the Boston College head coach, he really did not look good, right. But part of that, I think, a big part of it was because he was back in the locker room right. after taking this medicine.
1: Like, show me somebody who looks good after they throw up, and I'll show right. you a liar. Right.
0: Exactly. So I feel like the <laughs> fact that the fact that Roy looked awful after that game, and he yeah. did, yeah. Like there's a reason for that. Yeah. Like it's not that's not necessarily reflective of his overall level right. of level of health but I think I mean at this point right now I feel like UNC has to go outside the family
1: I would too yeah if
0: Roy were to retire somehow after the season which I don't think he would I'd be stunned if he left before the NCAA thing was resolved I would just be shocked I mean if he did that then I think that is an indication that his health is of a a concern I feel Mm -hmm. like that would be reflective of you know some sort of greater issue that prohibits him from coaching so I'd be really stunned if that happened but let's say in two three years, if he steps down, I think they have to go outside the family. I think they're grooming Hubert Davis. But I don't it's think a he's
1: big step up. It
0: is. But if you listen to Hubert, Hubert was on Roy's radio show recently, and he I mean he sounded he sounded like a head coach. Just had who that. Is, who has Hubert
1: Davis recruited to UNC?
0: Had that it quality about him.
1: Who was Hubert Davis recruited to? Well, UNC? that's the
0: thing about it too. Yeah, it's been uh, you can't really answer that question. You can't say that Hubert got. This kid or that kid, for sure, the way you can with Capel. Like, Capel has been such the point man on a lot of their important mm-hmm. recruitments at Duke, and you can't say the same thing about, about Hubert. So that's a big question. That
1: would be, if, if I, again, was invested in UNC's success, that would be a concern for me.
0: That's a big question. In yeah. five years, you think both Roy and Kay will still be at UNC and Duke?
1: No. I think Roy will be gone within five years.
0: We shall see.
1: Personally, before we tune out, Andrew, just one quick before story. Before
0: we tune out, all right. One, one quick story. story.
1: You know, you talked about how you found out about Roy Williams leaving via Twitter. I did. I actually found out about Mike Krzyzewski not being in Atlanta via you. That's so right.
0: Yeah, you did. It's
1: about an hour and a half before the game. It's 9 p.m. start, so I'm, you know, try, focused on trying to be able to stay awake throughout the whole game. I'm not exactly a, a night owl over here. But anyhow... um, so it's an hour and a half before the game. I'm walking up to the media will call at Georgia Tech, and I get a text from you.
0: You did, yep.
1: And it says, "What's wrong with Kay?" And this is not a text any beat writer wants to receive.
0: Oh <laughs> well, no, that wasn't any kind of tweet I wanted to no. receive from people being like, "What's going on with Roy?" And
1: I knew. And one, there's two. There there are many reasons. One reason it's like because I don't know the answer to that question, so that that's not a good feeling as a reporter. Two, yeah. like I knew, I knew you weren't joking because I like, there are some things that are off limits <laughs> and that would be one of them. I was so, is. so I knew I couldn't write that off as like, you know, an unfunny joke. So, you know, yep. I text you back,
0: yep. not a joke.
1: What do you mean? <laughs> and you're like, they just said on the Roy show that he's not in Atlanta. And I'm like, awesome. That's so, right. That's right. You know, I basically get my credential. I don't even put it around my neck. I have it like in my hand, run down to the court start talking to people that, you know, I trust to give me the right information and then, you know, go upstairs and get something online very quickly. But, yeah, definitely a, a scary moment there. And I don't know that I have ever ran into an arena, an arena like that, but it was like, you know what, I got to go find some answers uh, and find them quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. I, yeah, I think there was just a lot of uncertainty and confusion. And given the fact that these guys are getting up there, I mean, it's weird to think about life at UNC Post Roy Williams and certainly even more weird at Duke beyond right. Coach K. Right. Given he's been there longer than I've been alive. Me too. Well, for sure for you. <laughs> for By sure. like a lot. By a lot.
1: Like but nine years or something.
0: That's just weird to think. Like this man has been doing what he's been doing in that longer one place. than I've been breathing. longer than I've been here. Yeah. On, no, on it's Earth. it's
1: crazy. Yeah. It's the longevity. Really, it's when you think about it, it's just monumental. I don't it's think
0: like, that's ever going to happen again.
1: It, the only place it could happen. Would be if a school would hire somebody very young, like an alum, very young. But
0: there's so much just nonsense. That like these Jim behind but like, like it would pressure, have to be that type of thing. I feel like this job just chews people up in a way that I mean, it, it always does. has to an extent, but even more so now.
1: There are more demands on these guys' time than there ever even more before. so
0: now with like like the twenty-four-seven news cycle and the stress yeah. of that, and dealing with people like us and recruiting is different. I mean, it's just.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like but they I get do. paid a
0: ton of money, but the stress is is nuts. They
1: they, they do they work for the money they get. There's they no do. doubt,
0: no I doubt. Do. Well, we'll see what happens, Laura. We will. We'll bust this out of the time capsule in five years. Uh, we'll let's see, see who's here. right. What, what year is this? This is 2016. All right, 2021, so February uh, 10th, February 11th, oh, 2021. We'll bust us out of the Nando time capsule as we do every week. We bury the uh, we record these on some tape and and print them out physically and bury them in the Nando time capsule off McDowell Street across the park. We'll come out here with shovels in five years and dig it up and re-listen to this and see who's right. What do you say? I'm in. Have ourselves a little podcast party. I'm in. On uh, February 11th, 2021, we'll see if Roy Williams is still at UNC and Coach K at Duke. But lucky for you folks, we will have more amateur hours in the meantime. Indeed. (laughs) But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on Amateur Hour.